0: Good morning, everyone. Sari, I really love that last song. Yeah, it doesn't matter what I feel. Uh, then what's it go, sis? It doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I see. My hope will be in your promises. That's what we're really trying to get across in this series. Uh, here's how it all came about. About two months ago, the five of us that are teaching pastors... At the Wheaton uh, Bible Churches, we got together and we said, what are we going to do this summer? Uh, What what kind of teaching do we want to bring? And we threw out a few ideas and such. And then I don't know if I just blurted it out or if somebody asked me. I said, uh, but the point was, I said, I'll tell you what, guys. For the last six months, I'm living on the promises of God, not on what I see, uh, not on what I feel. I'm living on the promises of God. And they t- tell, tell us more about that. And, you know, and I'm a novice at it because you, you only really trust God when God is all you have. Right. So so God kind of thrust Lon and Marie Allison because of my cancer right into the midst of something we can't fix. Right. So so it's all new to us. But um, I remember the president of Wheaton College, my friend Phil Reichen, said this last year when there was a tragedy at the school. He says, at times like this, we have to trust in the promises of God, not in the problems, not, not the problems around us. And so from that point on, and then when I got my diagnosis, I just started realizing I have to be pro- a promise-driven person, not a problem-driven person. How many of us are problem-driven people, right? If you ever worry, you're a problem-driven person. So that pretty much includes us all, okay? But, but God literally wants to grow us to such a point where, we, where the promises of God drive us. What we can't see, what we can't hear, what we can't touch, what we can't feel, what we can't taste, but it's true. And the Bible has at least 5,000 promises in it and here's the really cool thing God never goes back on a promise you remember being a kid Uh, and and uh, you'd be with your friends or something and you were going to do something and and one kid would look at the other say okay do you promise you're going to do this you promise and and you would go yeah I promise but sometimes you didn't really mean it so what would you do you cross your fingers Behind your back, which means you do not have to carry out this promise, even though you say, oh, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's where I want to get today. God never crosses his fingers on a promise. Look at this text, the first one. I'm going to give you so much scripture today, you're going you're to be full. You're going to be bloated with the holy word of God this morning. Number one. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are what? Yes, Because of Jesus Christ, His life, death, resurrection and ascension. Proof positive. Guarantee God backs up His promises. And there's a, a verse we've got from Joshua too. We're going to uh, can we go back? I think it's two before us there, guys. What, do you have one before that one? You d- oh, we, so we left out uh, Joshua. There it is. Okay, great. Look at this one. This is just before Joshua is about to die, and he's the one that has led Israel into the promised land and helped them conquer all this stuff. Look what he says. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled, not one has failed. God never crosses his fingers when he makes a promise, okay? And he's absolutely trustworthy. And so what we want to do is learn to live our lives based not on the problems we're trying to conquer, but on the promises of God to bring us through every single one. All right, so what's the promise we're dealing with today? We're dealing with the whole issue of peace. Incidentally, I'll be back next week. Uh, will will be back, but he wants to just sit under my glorious teaching uh, <laughs> next Sunday. And so Will and, and, and Lily will be back with the kids, but he said, Can I just, I said, would you like me to do two weeks in a row so that you can just sit there? He says, I would love that lawn." There's nothing worse for a pastor than having a sermon hanging over their head on a vacation week. Because <laughs> you don't vacation very well, all right. So he'll be back, and I'm, we're going to talk next week about protection. In fact, I want to do those verses that were read. Was that Psalm sixty-two, brother, that you read to us? Yeah, I got to find those. We're going to use those next week. Today is peace. Next week is protection. But let's deal with peace. Look what Jesus says about peace in John fourteen twenty-seven. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Now the second sentence there is going to be very important throughout this whole message. My peace I give to you. He'll later say, not the kind of peace the world gives. My peace. And and this is, if you will, the big idea. Forget about trying to find true peace anywhere else except to receive it from Jesus himself. My peace. I'm going to give to you that's one of the great things we get in coming to faith in Jesus Christ he promises us his peace Billy Graham says this most people yearn for one thing more than anything else inner peace that's why in 1954 Billy Graham wrote his first book which was called peace with God and I think it sold four million copies or something like that even way 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 back then when I was two years old in 1954 Billy Graham could see that the whole world was addicted to worry and anxiety rather than peace. And there's nothing we long for more. It's been built and woven into our DNA. We are meant to be peace-filled people, not worry-driven people. We claim the promises of God, so peace. All right, a couple of definitions for it. Uh, and if, you, if you're taking notes, you'll want to write these down. A couple of definitions of peace. First of all, in the Old Testament the word for peace is I bet some of you know it here Shalom yeah Shalom you'll still hear uh, Jews say that to one another you'll hear Arabs in Arabic saying Salim it means peace and and it's the wholeness of life in all its dimensions so think of the various roles that you play as a person and and peace wasn't wasn't just a feeling it was a sense that every aspect of my life is in the wholeness and the balance and the integration god wants it to be and that god promises that kind of shalom peace for our lives and especially in eternity not so much here we get glimpses of it here but when the new world order comes the wholeness of life in all of its dimensions that's peace A New Testament definition for it, different words, called irene in in the Greek. And I like what Merrill Tenney uh, does on it here. He says that peace is a tranquility and freedom from inner and outward disturbance. Let me read that again. A tranquility and freedom from inner and outer disturbance. Now, does Tenny say that inner and outer disturbances aren't there? No. He says a freedom from them. A freedom from being controlled by inner and outer disturbances. Whoa. That is really, really good. Now, if you look at what culture says to us, you always watch Commercials. Because commercials on television are some of the, made by some of the brightest people in the world who know how to grab what we value, present it in 30 seconds, and make sure you bought beer as a result. OK? All right? And so I started thinking, OK, well, well how do the commercials uh, press, into, press our buttons and our longing for tranquility and wholeness in all of life's dimensions? So what did I think of? I thought of the corona commercials on TV. Okay, so what is it? it? It it opens up. Remember, they're doing this in 30 seconds. And it's a, it's a beach chair all by itself on the beach, right Linda? Linda's going, "Yeah, I remember this one." Long. It's a beach chair right there on the beach and then there's a person sitting in it and looking out at the beautiful like Caribbean oceans, right? You hear the seagulls? you hear the gentle waves breaking and rolling up the shore. And you never see the person's face. They're just sitting there, both hands on the beach chair, and down to their side is a what? A corona. <laughs> so, so it's escapism. The, 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 the way that the world tries to go after peace is escapism. The, the commercials that come on for Florida or California or Caribbean islands or Sandals resorts it's always perfectly formed humans <laughs> in a lovely ocean where there are no stinging stingrays or barracudas or sharks and and and, and lovely gentle breezes blowing through the palms it's escapism the way you get peace is you have to escape your normal world, which is full of anxiety, and you can never have peace, and you've got to pay a lot of money and go away, put it on your credit card so that you don't even get blown away till the next month. <laughs> then I guarantee you, whatever brief respite you had <laughs> is gone. All right? The world tries to tell us how to find this peace, tranquility of life, wholeness in all of life's dimensions through escapism. But we're we're smart enough to know that doesn't work. We're smart enough, no matter whether we're 15 or 50 or older than that, to know you cannot escape the inner and outer disturbances of life. They're going to come at you. So when when Tenney says to us a tranquility and freedom, he's talking about learning to experience free peace even in the midst of disturbances. I, I, I know this is true because Jesus said it. Look at John 16:33. And you got to read this really carefully. And it was just this week. In fact, Rob Boo and I were sitting together on Thursday. And I said, where are you going on this Sunday sermon? And he started telling me, he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to camp on some of Jesus' sayings and then bring others alongside it. And especially, I said, Rob, the one that has got me this week is when I really read John sixteen thirty three with new eyes. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Okay, Good. His teachings have been given to us that we may have peace. Peace means an absence of worry. But look at the next line, the next sentence. In this world, you will have trouble. Now put those together. I have told you these things to give you peace. And we go, great, corona on a beach. His very next line is, in this world, you'll have trouble. There's no escaping it. I will give you peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Those don't make sense together. Of course they don't. Because it's wisdom that comes from above, not from here on earth. Jesus literally says, I came to give you peace. In this world, you will have troubles. We never get away from the troubles. But we can learn to experience His peace in the troubles. And that's what we want to go after this morning. That's what we want to go after. Uh, all things are possible with God. God offers peace while in trouble. That's one you want to write down. God offers peace while in trouble, not in absence of troubles. All right, now we're going to talk about three types of peace. Here they are. Number one is peace with God. Number two, peace with others. And number three, finding that peace, peace within. All right, Peace with God first, peace with others second, and peace within third. All three are terribly important. And the first one matters most of all. Do you have peace with God? Now, careful. Don't now think of peace as a feeling. Think of peace the way we think of it when a war ends and there's a peace treaty, a peace pact. You saw our president, and we pray for him and, and, his, and his administration and all of our government Officials and we pray that they that 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 this thing with North Korea will bring a lasting what? Peace a laying down of arms. Okay, I I, I was thinking this morning of um, and the date was September 2nd 1945. On a great war U.S. war vessel in in the in the South Pacific. One of our admirals met with japanese leadership and it was to bring a cessation to war two atomic bombs had been dropped on japan the war if it went on was going to kill millions more and so the emperor of japan uh, told his generals and admirals he said we must end this now They came together, and they signed a peace treaty on September 2nd. It was a cessation of war. Now, I wonder if you've ever thought about your need to bring about a cessation of war with God. Because you're at war with God. Whenever I exert my will rather than his, I'm at war with God. May I tell us something that we all know? You will always lose. We were meant to have peace pact with God. Look at this verse from Romans chapter 5, one of the great, great texts about this thing of finding peace with God. Therefore, since we have been justified, and justified means declared not guilty, We've been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. An end of hostilities. You say, I've never knowingly been an enemy of God. Well, that doesn't really matter. If you've said no to God in your life, if you've said you don't want relationship with God, if you try to run your own life, God declares you're at enmity. With him. Okay? Now look at these two verses from Colossians 1 21 and 22, because I can prove my point through the scriptures. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Incidentally, if Will or Lon ever try to prove a point that isn't in the scriptures, you should stand up and say, That's not in the scriptures. Maybe see us afterwards. That's, that's probably better. <laughs> but look at this. Look at this, you guys. Once you were alienated from God. And we're enemies in your minds because of what? Our evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from any accusations another way to, in using my metaphor of uh, cessation of war, and, and, and free, free from any penalties as a result of war. Every human being on the planet is born with a bent toward wrong behavior. We call it original sin. You can't escape it. Uh, uh, Marie and I thought, thought, For just a brief amount of time that our granddaughter was the one who had escaped any original sin (laughs) But she's been alive two years and four months now and you ought to see her temper Oh my goodness Every human being has been born with a bent toward evil behavior and the breaking of God's standards and, and people say, well, I, I want a good relationship with God, so I'll try to get better and better and better. And forget that. Because no matter how much we try, we don't get that much better. And if our behavior's not bad, our thoughts are. And God judges us not just by our behavior, but by our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And so forget this whole thing that you can ever kind of earn by goodness approval from God and the end of war. No. The only way you end the war with God is to say, God, forgive me for running my own life. Forgive me for separating myself from you. I choose to sign the peace treaty today. I choose to give you my life and ask that you would give me yours. And you hear us talk about it every week, guys. This incredible reality of the God of the universe saying, the war is over. I will enter your life. You will enter my life. And we have peace with God. Have you done that? Have you asked God to forgive you for all of your evil thoughts words and deeds have you said to God God I don't want to run my life I place my life in your hands if you have not done that I'm gonna say a prayer right now okay so let's all bow our heads this is for any of you who are not sure that you have found peace with God I'm gonna say a prayer and then I'm gonna say to you make sure you come up to me or one of the other prayer people right afterwards and tell us that today you prayed this prayer because we want to give you a few words of counsel, all right? Lord, I now come to you on behalf of, even if there's just one here, and maybe there are many who have not entered into peace with you. We don't want to be enemies. Lord, we do not want to be alienated. We want relationship with you. And now, friends, in your own heart, say this prayer after me. Lord, I want a cessation of hostilities between me and you. Today, I ask you to forgive all my sin. And today, I give you the leadership and the control of my life. Once again, today, I give you control of the leadership of my life. And we sign this in the name of Jesus Christ who died for us that we might be reconciled to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who died for us that we might be Reconciled to you. And now, if the whole church would say, Amen, amen. All right. Again, if you prayed that with me today, please come up. I'll stay right here at the end, and anyone of our prayer team will all be here. We want to pray with you if you prayed that today. All the other, the two other pieces I'm going to talk to you about, peace types, are, are not possible without the first one. Okay? If you did just pray that Jesus Christ has entered your life through his spirit, and you have been, what do we call it, born again. But the analogy I'm using today is you now have peace with God. Is that cool? Can we just say praise God? One, two, three, praise God. See, those of us who've had this for a while, we just forget how great it is. Woohoo! <laughs> Hey, somebody said, Somebody, I, I was going to use this at the end because it's a real puncher, but I'm going to do it now. Uh, somebody said, joy and peace are not that different. And, and they said, peace is joy at rest. And joy is peace dancing. <laughs> Isn't that good? Peace is joy at rest and joy. Is peace doing a jig? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lord. All right. So peace with God, That's first. Second one, peace with others. Do you know that we've been meant to have peace with others? Look at this text. Colossians 3:15. "Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, You have been called to peace. Once again, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. If you read what's before that passage and what's after that passage, you see that what's within that passage is really talking about interpersonal relationships. Okay? Now let this peace that you have with God also start to assert itself in your relationships with others. Did God forgive us because we were good? No, he forgave us because we repented. And we learn to forgive others with the same way we have been forgiven, right? That's what the scriptures say. Okay, so let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, that's an interesting word. The word rule, it means, another uh, synonym for it is umpire. Any of you watch... Any sports, baseball? Okay, how many watch baseball? How many watch football? How many watch football? Real football. (laughs) Where's Carol? She's gonna love that I did that. All right, okay, soccer. All right, there are always umpires who adjudicate what is right and what isn't. Okay, so I'm thinking of a couple weeks ago when one of the Cubs, it was Anthony Rizzo, went flying headlong into home and and knocked over the catcher. And there's a rule that says you're not supposed to knock over the catcher, but if the catcher's in your way, then they should get to the side. And there's all these things going on, and, and both sides were yelling at each other. That was unfair. He should be out. No, that was fair, because the catcher was in his way. He should be safe. Out, safe, out, safe. And then the umpire takes his mask off. And I, 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 do, but I, can I do a little John Wayne here? We're gonna figure this thing out once and for all. <laughs> that guy is safe, and because I'm a Cubs fan, that was right. <laughs> okay. Now, let the peace of Christ be an umpire inside you since as members of one body in the church of jesus christ you are called to peace in relationships it's so hard because because even marie is my precious wife was, incidentally, coming uh, for the first time. She's full-time staff up at the West Chicago Church, but she's coming today to the second hour. Even Marie, who is about as close to perfect as a human being can get, ticks me off sometimes. <laughs> and yet God calls us, he says, My umpire, my rule for you is peace. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> when we're upset with a fellow believer, when, when, when think of an umpire guarding your heart and your mind. And if you're tempted to complain to others about that person, gossip about that other person, uh, Get bitter, start yelling. Open up Facebook and let the world know. Don't do it. You were called to peace. You were called to constant peace treaties with those that tick you off the most when they know Jesus Christ. We are meant to have peace with others. Look what uh, uh, St. Paul says about this in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If It is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's our goal. And you say, well, they don't deserve it. (laughs) Maybe they're 90% wrong, and you're just 10. Own up to the 10. Right? Own up to the 10. Be sorry for that. Very, very seldom is, is enmity between two people caused because one person's 100% wrong and the other person's 100% right? Now, that's how we always go into it. I, I, I am right here. And God will say, well, not really. Own up to your 10 or your 20. Or maybe you're the one that's 80% wrong. We go to other people and say, please forgive me. Our union together means far more than who's right or wrong in this situation. That's where we want to get to. So, and, and sometimes we just take it to extremes, and it's way beyond where we want it to be. If, if you read, Do any of you read our devotions that we put out every week? You can get it on our websites. And they push us into the text that, that the pastors are going to teach on on Sunday. Well, Linda Massey-Weddle wrote wonderful devos this week. I used a lot of her stuff to write this sermon, to tell you the truth. And she tells the story of when she was a young mom and she was married to uh, her her young husband who was a pastor of a small church and they had two children, uh, a a daughter, a preschool daughter and they had a a brand new baby and her husband's mother came to visit. Mother-in-law has come and she's a pretty good person, Linda says. But, but Linda wanted everything to be perfect in the house, and that's how it is when mothers-in-laws are coming, incidentally. You want to get everything perfect, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so she did everything she could do, and yet she's got this toddler and she's got this infant around all the time, and she's raising her daughter and her baby while the father's at work a lot. The mother-in-law comes, and Linda wanted her approval really, really bad. And one morning, when the daughter was playing... Uh, 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 early morning, the daughter-in-law was playing and the mother was dealing with the baby. The mother-in-law said to her, I've yet to see you wash her. I've yet to see you wash her. And and the mother is taken aback by this because she's tried so hard. And and if the mother-in-law had gotten up a little earlier, she'd have seen that she gave her daughter a bath. I've yet to see you wash her. So she wanted to defend herself. And then she was so hurt, she just crushed, pushed it all inside. And she goes to the husband, uh, whose mom said this, and gets him all bitter about it too. How could my mom say that to you? You know, just run her out on a track. Uh, They pushed it under. and They got bitter and they got angry. And later that night, when the daughter was put to bed, and the infant was put to bed and it's just the son i'm envisioning and linda uh, and the mother-in-law there she says to her again i'd sure like to see your washer because we're thinking of getting a maytag washer too and you just got one and i'd sure love to see that It all had to do with the verbalization of one letter, the letter R, on the end of the word i I'd love to see you washer. I'd love to see your washer. Sometimes enmity is just misunderstanding. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. I, in fact, I, I got to meet Linda. I don't know if I've met her before. She sounds like a stitch in nine. Uh, so misunderstandings or honest wrongs done doesn't matter let the peace of Christ be the umpire in your life always calling you to peace okay peace with others three peace within peace within and this is the one we long for so much is it truly possible to have tranquility like Merrill Tenney said and freedom from inner outer anxiety is it possible Jesus says it is John 14 27 here's the full verse peace I leave with you my peace I give you I do not give you as the world gives a corona on a beach won't do but Jesus said just before he dies and ascends to heaven, I'm going to give you my peace. My peace. I want to order your world to harmony in the midst of tough things. St. Paul writes about it later. Now, you, you ought to be saying, how do I appropriate what Jesus is saying? Is it really possible? How do I get his peace? Here's how. From Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, your needs to God. And what's the promise? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, (laughs) it's indefinable, it's... It makes no sense. And yet it's promised. And what do we know about God? He never crosses his fingers of a promise. Prayer, petition, petition prayer is really asking God for what your need is. And then Thanksgiving prayer is, is literally just saying, Lord, I thank you for whatever you choose to do. Because the Father knows best. So you ask God for your desire. And then you thank Him, knowing that He only has your best in mind. I love what Tim Keller has said. God answers every prayer perfectly. He answers our prayers the way we would want them answered if we knew what He knows. Would you like that again? All right. God answers our prayers perfectly He answers our prayers the way we'd want them answered if we knew what He knows. Father knows best. Now, um, the promise of inner peace in the midst of turmoil is the gift of God. And Paul says, it defies and transcends understanding. But it's just there. So, uh, forgive me. Uh, well, I won't ask forgiveness. Uh, pastors, you really want uh, you want to hear stories from our lives, and um, and but we don't want to do it too much because we want the life of Jesus to be the thing you remember, not our lives. But I'll I'll take a chance one more time. I'll talk about my life with this um, diagnosis of terminal liver cancer that I have. Uh, seven months ago we found it and um, and chemotherapy did not shrink the tumors Uh, it arrested them didn't shrink them and so tomorrow at 630 a.m. Marie and I will be at Northwestern University Hospital downtown Chicago and we're using a whole new trial therapy called glass bead radiation and through the wonder of modern medicine Uh, through an angiogram that starts in my leg and will go up, and not up to my heart, like some of you have gotten when you have heart issues. It'll stop right here, and they'll poke into this big tumor. My big tumor, remember, his name is Lake Michigan. (laughs) And then I have two Lake Tahoe's right here. (laughs) They're going into this one, and they are going to attack it with one million glass beads of radiation. (laughs) I like the thought of it. (laughs) A million of them. You know how big they are? Take a strand of hair. And if you could cut a strand of hair into three pieces, take one of those pieces. That's the size of one of these glass beads filled with radium 90. I'll get a million of those thrust into my body tomorrow, 6.30 until 10 in the morning. And then I'll rest a little bit and we'll come home. Pretty amazing. Now, I'm not presenting it to you the way I am because I'm trying to act for you. I really am not upset about this at all. Uh, I really have this strange transcendent thing called peace about 90% of the time. Reed, I'm looking at you. I bet you, you're same thing going on. Her precious husband is, is sicker than I am. And, um, friends, Marie's got it too. If you don't believe me, stay for the second service, meet my wife. We ought not to feel okay, but I feel great. Ah, my prognosis is one to five years. Unless God does something supernatural. He's already done supernatural in the sense of strength and energy I've had while getting severe chemo for five months. So we already see. it's It's just okay. Why? We tell him, Lord, please, and I prayed this this morning, I would love to see this radiation literally devastate that tumor and wipe it out. But Father, I thank you that you know best. Petition, thanksgiving. Petition, thanksgiving. This is how we experience the peace of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. And so, Father, unto you I commit every word and, have, and ask that you would have everybody forget the ones that I shouldn't have said and only remember the ones I got directly from you. And, Lord, grant my church friends here peace with you, peace with others, and peace within. In Jesus' name, amen.